Welcome to our podcast episode of Carolina Chronicles, Stories of UNC Student Life, the premier podcast discussing the everyday experience of students at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill from the perspective of the students who go here. This episode is titled The Pre-Med Pressure Cooker. Today, we'll be exploring the world of pre-med students, commonly known as the workaholics of campus, the always overloading and the stressed and burnt out. How much of this is actually true? We'll also dive into what it's like being pre-med at UNC, what drives these students, and what their long-term goals are. Are there differences within pre-health sectors, or are they just constantly consumed by bio courses? And does UNC do enough to prepare students for the rigors of pre-med, especially considering the Health Professions Advising Office was staffed by one, only one, very burnt-out woman until recently? We'll also look into how teachers prepare pre-med students, what extracurriculars they do, and what their lives are truly like. My name is Matthew, and I'm a freshman studying mathematics. I'm Sophia, I'm a freshman studying biology and English, and I'm newly on the pre-med track. I'm Inish, and I'm a senior studying business administration with minors in biology and chemistry, and I will be attending the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine next year. I'm Austin, I am a senior studying chemistry, and I'm taking a gap year to apply to med school. And we can't wait to learn more with all of you about this topic. Three of us are pre-med, but we also interviewed and surveyed our pre-med classmates to gain as many perspectives on this topic as possible. First topic on the docket, the stressful culture of pre-meds. It's no secret that pre-med students face a lot of stress. The pressure to get into medical school can be overwhelming, and many students find themselves focusing almost exclusively on their future careers. But is all this stress and pressure really worth it? Let's start hearing from some students. One student said, everything is so future career-based, so I feel pretty stressed out a lot of the time to, you know, try to do better. Another student said, there's this pressure to start preparing for grad school and a career in the health professions way too early. It's like you can't just enjoy your college years and figure things out as you go. You have to have everything planned out and be constantly working towards your goals. Honestly, from what my experiences have been and what I've seen from the people around me, I can relate with them because there's such a concrete timeline that's set into stone for the next couple of years when you come into college. Oh, you need to join a research lab. Oh, you need to get clinical hours. You need to think about what recommendations and what classes you'll need. You need to figure out when you're going to take the MCAT. And everyone that comes into college is like, oh, I need to apply to med school within three to four years. And of course, some students know that they want to take gap years, but the limited time, it really starts to kick in from the get-go. What do you think, Austin? Yeah, I think the same thing as you. Like when I first started as a freshman, I didn't really know what to do as far as like what activities I have to do and what hours I have to do because I'm the first person in my family that is trying to apply to med school. So I had to like just through college and through my peers figure out like how to apply and like what steps I need to take. And sometimes it can honestly feel like you're just being bogged down by the entire process and it can take a major toll on your mental health. Sometimes it's easy to feel that oh, everyone around me is doing so much. I have to do just as much. Or if I don't do as much as my peers are doing, then I don't belong here. I'm not going to be a good pre-med. And maybe that I won't even get into medical school. And so we see that imposter syndrome slowly creeping in to the culture and attitude of uh, younger pre-meds in college. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up, especially because we have this other quote from one student in the survey who said, I think the pressure to succeed in pre-med can really take a toll on mental health. I've seen friends who are pre-med constantly stressed and burnt out, and it's definitely affected their work quality. That last part especially really... Um, you know, just makes me worrisome because I've newly joined the pre-med track. I'm a freshman. I'm just trying to plan things out and figure out, you know, how I'm going to manage the next four years. And it's not only that I have to, like, you know, do all these lab things and 
get all these volunteer hours and also maintain super high grades. It's like, I have to manage my mental health alongside that. I have to not get burnt out so that I actually can do all of these things with a good degree of quality because you can do everything in the world and you can do it poorly if your mental health isn't very good. Yeah, especially from someone who isn't in the pre-med field, I'm watching from the outside and I see you guys like struggling and stressing about all these things, whereas I don't really necessarily have to worry about them. But it just seems a lot more difficult, especially for pre-med students, because they have a lot more obstacles to jump over and rules to follow. There's definitely a lot to unpack here. It seems like a big source of the stress is the career-oriented focus of this pathway. The pre-med culture can be really toxic. It's like this weird combination of competitiveness, insecurity, where everyone's trying to one-up one another and prove themselves. But at the same time, they're all secretly worried that they're not good enough themselves. It's honestly quite exhausting. From what I've known of what medical school is like, it's actually quite the opposite culture. So it's so sad that pre-med culture is as competitive as it is now. Wait, go back to that. I always heard that it's supposed to be a lot harder once you get to med school. And historically, that's been the trend. Historically, med culture can be very toxic and competitive, where you hear of you know people ripping pages out of textbooks and trying to one-up one another. But as we come into this modern age of medicine, med schools have started becoming pass-fail. And a lot of classes have turned into a culture of supporting one another unanimously. That culture has really evolved in medical schools and in future graduate programs and everything. But it seems that pre-med culture and the pre-med tracks are still lagging behind that. Yeah, and I agree with that because I've seen a lot of videos on like YouTube and TikTok and other social media platforms that like once you're in med school, you work as a team, rather in college and undergrad, people are just individually like trying to get into med schools themselves. And that's what creates that toxic culture. So in med school, it's more of like a group effort and like everyone's trying to help each other. That's what I think at least. You know, that's really interesting because you probably assume that you want doctors who know how to work with other doctors who maybe have like different skill sets, different areas of expertise. You, If you are a patient and you have any condition really, but imagine you're in surgery, in operation, you don't want a group of doctors who are all out to get each other. You want a good team that works well. So it's really interesting because in the long run, it's probably bad to have this kind of toxic pre-med culture. It might make it more difficult to just have a good med school culture because I mean, you are selecting, like med schools are selecting for the students that end up being super competitive just by the nature of the admissions process. So you're limiting a little bit, I would suppose the ability to operate effectively as a team. That's all speculation, of course. I haven't been to med school, but yeah. <laughs> I think it might not be the best thing. And, you know, a lot of this is trickled down from the support structure that you get. In medical school, they give you a lot of resources to cope with what's happening and give you a lot of support. But at UNC, I mean, one student even said, with UNC's health profession advising office being so understaffed recently, I worry about how much support students are actually receiving. And we see that directly play into what student culture becomes. You know, that same student said, it's no wonder that mental health issues like anxiety and depression are so prevalent among pre-med students. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that uh, mental health in general on a college campus is just a really big issue. We have a lot of students who are really struggling, and whether you're pre-med or not, having a supportive environment is really important. So it's troubling to hear that the pre-med environment can be so toxic and just not supportive. But I, I guess I would ask you guys, do you have any examples that you could share of your pre-med classmates or maybe teachers, something like that, being really supportive to you guys? Well, I have a, an example of one of my classmates have like a fun time where uh, I was in Chem 102H and me and this other girl were studying for an exam together. And this was the first exam that we had had as we had gone on to campus. And so we were both really anxious and she had taken much, much more detailed notes than me. I'm usually much more uh, go with the flow off the cuff kind of person. 
But when we studied together, then we used a, mainly her notes to create our study guide together, like on the whiteboards and everything. And we both studied really effectively. It was very engaging, and I think we both got a lot out of it. But score-wise, I ended up scoring 20 points higher than her on the exam, and she did not like that. She did not like that you know, we used her notes to study together, and then she didn't do as well. So she proceeded for the rest of the class to never talk to me or study with me ever again. So that was unfortunate. However, it can go the other way too. I remember when I was studying for the MCAT, me and a couple of friends who are also pre-med gave each other tons and tons of resources. And we shared each other's progress with each other because we thought of it as a camaraderie. The, we're all in this together. We're all striving towards our white coats together. So let's struggle together. You know, it can only get better if we combine our resources and work together in this. Yeah, and I kind of have a similar story with like taking the MCAT and like finding someone to study with. Like my roommate, he's pretty mental. Mm-hmm. And I'm pre-med, obviously. So I was studying with the MCAT and he's studying for the DAT. So we're kind of just like helping each other in that sense. And that just helped me succeed on the MCAT. It's worrisome, though, that you see these pre-med students kind of pitted against each other. I guess your situation makes a lot more sense because pre-dental and pre-med, you're not competing for the same spot necessarily. Yeah, it wasn't really competitive. It was more of like helping each other. I mean, a lot of the content is similar on both the DAT and the MCAT. It just, it was just helpful to both of us. Yeah, but, that's really good. But even then, like, you know, if you think about, like, why should we be pitted against each other? In the 2022-2023 cycle for the American Medical College Application Service, there were 55,000 applicants to nearly 200 medical schools across the country. Out of those 55,000, roughly around 40% of them got in. Each applicant applies from anywhere between 15 to 50 schools. There's such a range of different schools you apply to, and the school that sometimes you think you're going to have the highest chance of getting into, you won't even get an interview from. But then a school that you were completely sleeping on or didn't even think about, you end up getting accepted to that school. Why would you be competitive? Like, for example, Austin, like, you know, both you and I are pre-med. Suppose back in our first year of college, we were friends and everything. Why would we compete against each other when we are just two out of those 55,000? I mean, we got a whole pond to compete against. Why just us two, you know? We might as well work together and make it out of the pond together. But I think that's really difficult to put into perspective as a first year, as a sophomore because you don't know the gravity of it and you don't know the scope of the game that we're all playing. Exactly, and we're all just like learning as we go through college. So it's just a new experience for all of us. I think that's a really interesting way to put it because you're right, it does seem like a lot of people really get into this stressful culture and get into this sometimes toxic culture because they believe kind of the opposite. They're like, oh, we're all rooting for the same couple of spots. So even though you can use those numbers, it seems like so many people just don't see it that way, which I mean, overall probably doesn't help you in the long run. Um, I don't know if maybe my class is a little different or I haven't seen it yet. I've been really lucky to have lots of friends who all like to study with me on all of our exams, who all like to, you know, just collaborate and then we all try to do the best that we can. I was actually told the opposite though, obviously. I haven't lived through it yet. I was told things get more competitive as you get to junior, senior year. People really start, I guess, having their eye on the prize, understanding what they're looking for. Would you guys agree, disagree? It seems like you disagree. I think that there's a lot of truth to that because yes, I had some stressful experiences back when I was a first year, but definitely in terms of clinical experiences, research, I was not on the game. I was, for lack of a better word, I was chilling. So like, I, I think as the years go on and medical school starts to come closer and closer, yeah, you really start to get on it. And in that sense, I guess the competitive nature only increases. But I think why there's also the competitive nature at UNC here is because there are so many pre-meds. And of course, why not? 
Business and pre-med are two of the biggest things that UNC has. UNC is an exceptional school for pre-med. In fact, according to Prospective College Doctor, which was a local blog site a couple of years ago, UNC consistently ranked as the number one pre-med school in the country. So right. it's not a surprise that there are so many pre-meds here. I remember when I was, you know, just deciding what college I wanted to go to, I didn't see number one, which is honestly even better than I expected. I was seeing consistently ranked top 10. And I think a lot of other students really see that too. For example, one student said UNC is definitely really good for pre-med. It's a lot harder than other institutions, I'd say, but the reputation for pre-med is just so good. I do think that reputation probably factors in a little bit when it comes to applying to different med schools. And that difficulty probably contributes to the toxic culture we have here. If the pre-med classes were easy, well, pre-med classes across all schools aren't easy, but if the pre-med classes here were a little easier, maybe you wouldn't have as much of a stressful culture. Yeah, I mean, at the at the end of the day, the unfortunate reality is that if there's 3,000 or 2,000 pre-meds coming in as first years, only a couple hundred of them will actually make it to the medical school application process. It's, it's sad that it is that way, but there is a whittling down of the pre-med class size because of the intensity required in the pre-med and medical school journey. And the whittling down is mainly because of the classes, like the difficulty in classes, but good grades and a high MCAT score is just, it just gets you a seat at the table. What can be more important after that is extracurriculars. That's where you can really start to distinguish yourself from everyone else in the crowd. It's actually funny you say that because one of our interviewees said, it's like this constant need to prove yourself and stand out among a sea of other pre-med students. And it's not just about getting good grades, it's also about extracurriculars and research experience. It can feel like you have to do everything and do it perfectly. Yeah, and so do respondents listed their extracurriculars. And a lot of them mentioned being involved with like clinical settings and CNA, ENT, medical scribe, research in biology labs and volunteering, for example. Yeah, I know a lot of pre-meds who are involved in things like volunteering at hospitals, doing research, whatever. And I know that it can be really difficult to get involved in things like that. Like, I was really lucky to be able to get into a research lab last semester. I just started cold emailing people. And I don't know if just whatever, my interests aligned, the stars aligned, the times I was emailing them aligned. But I'll tell my friends, like, yeah, like, I just cold emailed people. I know that they're trying to do that now, and they just struggle so much with it, I guess maybe because it's later in the year. I, I do know UNC does a very good job, at least on the research side, trying to make sure lots of students have lots of different spots. But there are only so many opportunities for things like research, and I would assume even volunteering, though I haven't dipped my toes as much into that or, like, clinical work yet. That probably also ups the competition, that everyone's trying to get into this limited number of extracurriculars. Well, the bad news is that, yes, like you said, every extracurricular has a limited amount of spots. The good news, though, is that there are endless possibilities of the various different extracurriculars, labs that you can work in. I know, like, you know, Austin, you just mentioned that the survey said just biology labs, but all of my research that I did was in a social psychology lab. And you can work in research in any hard sciences, or you can work in soft sciences, or you can even work in economics or sociology or even English research. Any type of research experience really can help build your application, but you have to be able to find a way to connect it to why you actually want to be a physician. There are so many opportunities. It's just a matter of where can you find the best opportunity that works for you. Yeah, and coming along off of that, um, I feel like a lot of people do these activities as like a checklist. You know, but you really have to like relate yourself back to it and, you know, make your own experience out of it. I just have like a checklist of audio that you have to check off like, oh, scribing or, or like research, stuff like that. You have to like have a really unique life story about it as well. Absolutely. One of the best 
pieces of advice I got in my four years of pre-medicine at UNC was that you are creating a narrative. You are showing your journey through college with all of your experiences and developing your passion. And for me personally, if I can share, grew passionate about serving underserved populations in uh, rural and urban communities. And this passion started from just working as a pharmacy technician and a immunization technician during the COVID pandemic. We visited high-risk communities in long-term care facilities, in nursing homes, and gave vaccinations like COVID vaccines literally like weeks after the vaccines came out. It was that work where we were truly helping marginalized populations or at-risk individuals where I started growing passionate about that. Later on, I found work at the UNC Student Health Action Coalition Medical Clinic that's in partnership with the UNC School of Medicine. And I worked with health coverage assistance and health access for all of the patients. So the SHAC clinic that I just talked about, it's a free student-run clinic run out of Carborough that's attached to UNC School of Medicine. The patients that it serves, they truly need the medical care that they come in for and they have nowhere else to go. Going through all of those experiences, working in a social psychology lab where we investigated health access based on health messaging, all of those different unique experiences guided me towards creating this narrative about me that I, as a person, am very passionate about health access and serving marginalized populations. If you remember earlier, I am a business major. So I'm also able to find out how we can create healthcare systems and how we can redefine health system sciences to actually make a change in broader healthcare systems to affect a large scale population. All of my experiences were the journey that I outlined very clearly in my medical school application. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I'm sitting here as a freshman and I'm working on this podcast, but also in the back of my head, I'm just thinking, you know, I kind of wish someone had fleshed it out for me like that because I hear all the time, you're not just supposed to view it as a checklist, but I know a lot of freshmen, you know, my friends, whatever, who are also pre-med do end up sometimes viewing it as a checklist. I think even just the way that I introduced the topic kind of showed that I was viewing it a little bit like a checklist. And I think there's just a pressure to like, oh, well, I've just got to get, get everything. Like, what if I don't find these things that I'm so like passionate about? I'm a double English major. As I mentioned, I'm a biology and English major. I started doing research in the health humanities lab in the English department, which focuses on a lot of different areas. I'm mostly focusing on more public health related things. So right now we're doing a project that's antimicrobial resistance, like understanding it, um, understanding the different ways people talk about it and understanding maybe more like science communication and policy initiatives that might be useful in preventing antimicrobial resistance in the future, which isn't like exactly medicine. It's more of a public health angle, but you know, I've loved getting to explore from that interdisciplinary angle. And I realized, you know, if I do go to med school, a lot of these skills are probably going to help me in the long term. I could yeah. not agree more because in my first year of college, you had told me, oh, in three years, you're going to be passionate about health access. I'd be like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that means. Your passion grows over the different experiences you have. You choose your experiences based on the interest. You're a biology and English major. Why would you be an English major? For me, I have no interest in that, right? But, so <laughs> I have no interest in being a business major. And that's exactly, yeah. that's exactly the point, right? You find experiences that you're interested in, and that's where your passion starts to grow. And the good thing is that at UNC, there's a such wide variety of different experiences you can get that you're sure to find some scope in your interest and find some opportunities that will help build that passion over time. I never really had this plan worked out for my first year of college. I weaved it all together at the end thinking, oh, that's why I did everything that I did. 
that's where the common thread lies. UNC as, a, as an institution is a very competitive undergrad institution and it really well prepares you for being pre-med. At my interviews for medical school, I was in the company of other Harvard students, Yale, U Chicago, Stanford, MIT students. A lot of my class are basically Ivy League students. And it reminds me that UNC is truly a public Ivy. It really is an institution that produces extremely high quality med school candidates and future physicians. And so I'm really glad that I came here for undergrad. Yeah, UNC is absolutely a phenomenal school. I'm so glad for you to be here. If we can just go back a moment. I really liked your comment about realizing, kind of looking back, wow, that's where the common thread lies. That's where all the passion is. Maybe just to explain a little more what kind of gets us into the opposite of that mentality, maybe when we're a little younger. We already read this quote, but one of the survey respondents said, everything is so future career-based and the pressure to start preparing for grad school and a career in the health professions is just comes on way too early. It's like you can't enjoy your college years and figure things out as you go. You have to have everything planned out and be constantly working towards your goals. But I think your example is a really powerful story of how it is okay to kind of deviate from everything you think you need to do to be able to get into med school. It's okay to explore your goals, to really find what you're passionate about because ultimately, I mean, I think a lot of what you're doing is probably very powerful in actually getting you into med school. Like you're so clearly passionate about this. You're so clearly gonna be able to make such a big difference based off of this. So. I think it's really impressive and good that you were able to do all this throughout your undergrad years. Thank you, yeah. And after having the luxury of being accepted to medical school and sure. having that stress lifted off my mind, I am now starting to understand, okay, these experience, everything I did was not just for medical school. Now it's, okay, how will this make me into a future physician that I want to be? I want to be a physician leader in my career. I want to make sure that I'm creating healthcare startups and entrepreneurial ideas to optimize healthcare and to make sure that patients are receiving the care that they need for like the lowest amount of cost possible. And so all these different experiences I've had, they truly funnel into why I even want to be a physician in the first place. You know, I also want to bring up on that point, not all of this was just done for getting into med school. A lot of it was also done for making you a future leader in your field. But also I think it's important to note that not everything needs to be done for just med school and being a future leader in your field. Sometimes it can just be something that you want to do because you want to do it. We had an interesting quote from one of our interviewees that was, I think it's important to remember that pre-med culture isn't the only culture on campus. There are so many different communities and interests at UNC and it's okay to explore them and find your own path. And I think, you know, you found that it really leads back all of it to medical school, which is super amazing. Like that's going to help you so much, I'm sure in the future, but it's okay if not everything is just about med school. Yeah, and I mean, like another person said, at the end of the day, being pre-med is just one aspect of who you are. Who you are as a person made you choose the medicine track. That is not then your identity. Your identity is still who you were before, right? Yeah. You were always that same person. And now that same person has just chosen to choose a pre-med track. So pre-med culture at UNC is definitely a microcosm of what it's like in the day-to-day -day, you know, experiences of being pre-med. But at the end of the day, this is something for much bigger than just getting into medical school. It's for serving your identity that even chose to chose medicine in the first place. Can we talk about that for a bit? Can you guys share why you chose med school? Do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first obvious answer is like you want to help patients. You want to help people get their health better. From my experience, my parents, my dad especially has had a lot of like health issues. So I just saw that kind of maybe like want to help him, but. I couldn't, I was a kid. So I kind of just grew to love medicine and like always look at like what treatments are there, what medicine you can take for it and stuff like that. So that's kind of the basis of like why I want to choose medicine. 
yeah, that's that's really powerful. And um, for me, why I want to become a physician is that a physician has very personal interactions with their specific patients, right? They have a profound impact on their life and they truly can change a patient's life. But while you have this very intimate connection with the person, you're not only helping that person, but suppose you're helping this person, suppose you're helping a father, they're gonna go home to their family and be able to provide better for their children. They're gonna be able to become a more together family. That family is gonna be able to serve their community even greater. And so when you have a, when you have an impact on one person, you're not just helping that one person, you're helping create a secure, sustainable family. You're helping to create a strong community. So that ripple effect really goes places. And that's honestly why I want to be a physician, because I have this intimate connection with the person, but also this broad impact on an entire population. Both of those are really good reasons. I think my reasons probably lie a little bit in the middle. I've just maybe going to doctor's appointments with my family. I've seen some really terrible interactions between a doctor and just like my family members or even just, you know, my friends telling me about things. And then I've had my own experiences with certain doctors or seen some experiences where really see the doctor caring about the patient, not just looking at, okay, these are your symptoms. This is what's going on. Let's get you some pills. Let's get out of here. You know, you can really see some truly caring people who want to make life for that person a lot better. I also like science and I've always been interested in healthcare. So it just felt like one of the more natural paths to go. Can I ask you guys though, because I know there's a lot of people who will say, yeah, I'm doing this because I want to make sure I have a really like secure financial future, stuff like that. Any thoughts? So I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'll keep them brief. Becoming a doctor to earn a lot of money is one of the dumbest ideas that you can possibly have. The opportunity cost of going to medical school, going through residency, does not justify the high income that you receive as an attending physician. So to give you a you know, quick rundown, you have four years of medical school, which you do not get paid for. You either pay out of pocket or you hope and pray that you get some scholarships, which I have not gotten any. So I will be paying $105,000 per year at Case Western next year. So that's $420,000 that I'm down. Then as a resident, I will be working 80 to 120 hours per week, making just around 60K. Essentially, I'm being paid around $10 an hour for the entire duration of my residency from age 26 to 30, 30, 32, right? And then at age 33, my salary, suppose I become an orthopedic surgeon or something, that would jump to 400K or something like that. Well, you forgot a step two for if you want to go into a specialty like that, you have to do more fellowship training, which I don't know what the salary is there, but Absolutely. it's not as much as being a full uh, resident. Absolutely. Basically, now at age 34, you're making $400,000. Wow, big money, right? But guess what? To get to that point, you made $10 an hour for about 10 years of your life, and then you went down $400,000 for med school. You went down maybe a dollars to $200,000 for undergrad. So now you're down half a million dollars. You made $10 an hour for 10 years to help barely pay off your interest payments on those loans. Basically, you're age 40 before you're actually debt-free and everything. Finally, after 20 years of hard work since college, at age 40, you, became, you become a physician earning 400K. And by that time, you're so busy that you don't even have time to enjoy your income. Whereas if you started working as an entry-level job in data science or computer science or anything like that, you would start maybe earning 80K, 100K over the next couple of years, and you would have dwarfed what the doctor made by age 40. 
So what I'm hearing is if you're in for the money, switch to comp sci. Yeah, and I always ask people, like, would you still be a doctor if you were severely underpaid? Like, only get like fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year, just to make sure that they actually want to do medicine. And I get like weird answers sometimes. Not, not really clear answers because like a lot of them kind of do want to just do it for the money, but there are those like, select few that actually want to help and like make a difference in the community. Yeah, and I mean it's not necessarily wrong to go do it for the money, but I also think it's really interesting um, hearing from the COVID pandemic. A lot of physicians talked about you know the burnout they were experiencing, just constantly being overworked, and that really came to the forefront during COVID. But that wasn't necessarily a new phenomenon. There was already a lot of work being put in, a lot of hours, a lot of burnout, a lot of struggles, even just from the day-to-day of seeing patients suffering, seeing patients die even. You know, there's a lot of struggles that come along with being a doctor, and I don't think just doing it for the money is necessarily enough to avoid something like burnout, from what I've heard at least. Another really good piece of advice I got was if you, and actually this is a one Buffett quote, <laughs> if you got paid nothing for doing something, what would that something be? And I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. I want to make a lot of money in my career. I want to create my own healthcare startup. I'm a business major. haha. You know, classic business type snake. But <laughs> if, if there's anything that I would genuinely want to do for the enjoyment of it and I would do for free, it's, it's becoming a physician. It's, it is serving as a physician for my patients and for my community. I think both of your examples really speak to the fact that despite it not being easy to be pre-med or even a doctor, people choose to do it because they really care about making a difference in people's lives. Definitely. And I think that's something we should all respect, even if we're not pre-meds ourselves. It's not just about getting good grades or checking off boxes or making money. It's about wanting to help others and make a real impact in the world. Yeah, and I think that's something we can all learn from, no matter what your career goals are. We should all strive to find something we're passionate about and work hard to make a difference in that area. Today, we explored the world of pre-med students, what drives them, their goals, and their interests. We explored what it's like to be a pre-med at UNC specifically, help prepare pre-med students, what extracurriculars they do, and what their day-to-day lives truly are. We explored the workaholic and stress stereotype, and while there is definitely some truth to it, it is always something to note that while a lot of pre-meds may be career-oriented and very focused on their interests, they are also humans with multifaceted interests, dreams, and goals. And they're not just in Davis studying for their bio courses every day, even if they do do that a lot. And with that, I think we'll wrap up this episode. This has been Carolina Chronicle, Stories of UNC Student Life, your premier podcast for learning about student life at UNC from the students who go here. Thank you for joining us in our discussions on the experience of pre-med students at UNC in this installation, the Pre-Med Pressure Cooker. If you want to learn more, make sure to check out our other podcast episodes and all other content on the Hill Life page. Thanks for listening, everyone. 